You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. Hello and welcome to the Center for Rural Health Research podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Lloyd Cusick. Today, we continue our podcast mini-series all about citizen patients engaging in rural health issues and health services planning in BC. Today, we're joined from Princeton, British Columbia, by two guests, Ed Staples and Ninka Claver. Both of our guests are part of an organization called the BC Rural Health Network, with Ed acting as the president and Ninka as the executive assistant, as well as the editor and social media manager of the Rural Health Matters, the network's newsletter. Now, for those of you who don't know, the BC Rural Health Network is a group of healthcare advocacy organizations across BC working together and in cooperation with uh, healthcare policymakers to promote, support, and improve health services in BC, and of course, by extension, improve the health and well being of people across the province. So, today we're going to hear all about how the BC Rural Health Network came to be and how they work to provide a strong, unified voice in advocating for healthcare improvement in rural communities. And so naturally, of course, Ed and Ninka are a great fit for our current citizen patient engagement podcast series, and uh, we're very fortunate indeed to have them on the program. So welcome, Ed and Ninka. Uh, I wonder if you could get us started by telling us a bit about how the BC Rural Health Network came to be. Yeah, um, thank you, Nick, for, for including us in this in this podcast series. It's great to be here. Um, the There's no short answer to that question, uh, but the... I guess the, the idea to form a network of rural BC health advocacy organizations was first suggested in a conversation we had with Dr. Barbara Pessett, who's a researcher from UBC Okanagan. And at the request of SOAK, the SOAK is uh, short for the Support Our Healthcare Society here in Princeton. So at the request of SOAK, Dr. Pessett organized a community consultation on healthcare in Princeton held in January of 2013. Um, and that community consultation was a research-based uh, consultation. And at that time, um, Dr. Pessett mentioned that there were other organizations in the province like SOAP, and she recognized the, the potential and the value of strength, strengthening our voice for change by working together. And then about a year later, um, in 2014, Dr. Pesset, with support from Silk, organized a second community consulta- consultation, this time in the community of Ashcroft, which led to the formation of a community healthcare advocacy organization in that community. And then Dr. Pesset again mentioned the idea of our organizations banding together to provide a, a unified provincial voice for change. Um, and we kind of sat on that idea for a while, and we need to fast forward then to April of 2017, uh, where um, there was a meeting in Kelowna that was organized by Dr. Kathy Rush, uh, who's another researcher from UBC Okanagan. And she had conducted research um, entitled The Entrepreneurial Activities of citizen-led healthcare coalitions. And at that meeting, we met several members of other rural healthcare advocacy organizations that were involved in this research. And um, in conversation, I suggested that maybe this this was the the right time to come together 
for the purposes of improving access to healthcare for rural BC residents. That was got what got the ball rolling. And then seven months later, the BC Rural Health Network was formed on December 1st. And the, there were six member organizations that formed the BC Rural Health Network from Ashcroft, Nelson, Sycamuse, the South Shuswap, Trail, and of course, Princeton, where we live. So that, that gives you kind of a, a historical concept of how things got started with the BC Rural Health Network. I, I absolutely love something you said, the entrepreneurial activities of citizen-led organizations, something to that, to that effect. I think that's the fabulous, um, I guess, phrase to sum up what I'm hearing. You're really describing kind of a very gr- fundamentally grassroots uh, initiative to, to organize, you know, patient voice and and to amplify um, and insert that voice more prominently in the discussion at the provincial level, which is just fabulous. So you've been active more or less since about 2017, I think you said, so a couple of years now. And you said you started with with six uh, communities, organizations. What does the network look like now? You've been in operation for a couple of years. Um, you know, how many members you have and where are they from? Right. So one thing I wanted to mention was that we're, we're a very young organization. We held our inaugural annual general meeting in May of 2019, uh, where we elected our first board of directors. And between the, the time that we first organized, which was December 1st in 2017, I guess it was, and then uh, May by May 2019, we had grown to 23 member organizations from all geographic regions of the province. Wow. And, and we continue to grow with our present membership up to 39 organizations and individuals. So I think Nico probably has some things that you want, would like to add as well about, about our growth and where we are now. Yeah, thank you, Ed. Um, yeah, I think I first have to state that uh, we are speaking as individuals and we cannot speak for our members who are autonomous. Of course. But to answer your question, Nick, um, I started work on a website where I share reports and research that not only highlight the particular problems for rural residents, but it also gives uh, possible solutions. I also set up a network, a Twitter account, a Facebook page, and we are on LinkedIn as well. Personally, I like to believe that there are solutions for every problem or shortcoming, and that is what we are looking for, solutions and improvements, such as, uh, to give an example, the community paramedic program that the government has introduced, or the team-based care that the government supports and promotes. Uh, There are lots of ideas floating around on how to improve wait times for operations, Mm -hmm. and especially since COVID-19 telehealth has become so much more important and extremely helpful. And we hope that telehealth will become a strong part of our healthcare. Mm-hmm. Ed, do you have anything? You yeah, to- when you look at where, where we were and where we are now, I think one of the important things to note is that we've become actively involved with other organizations in the province. Shortly after we launched our network, we were approached by the Rural Coordination Center of BC, which is kind of the rural uh, doctor's arm in the province. And they asked us if they could be of any assistance. We were thrilled that they found out who we were and were interested in, in us. And they also asked if, if they could have a seat at our table. And again, we were quite pleased that they, that they showed that level of interest. 
And this really was the beginning of a collaborative relationship between our two organizations that continues to develop to this day. And it's really through the support of, of the RCCBC, as they're called, that we were able to hire an administrator, a first paid staff, who began working for our network in January of this year. And that's been an important step for us because our organization, up until this past January, when uh, Connie Howe joined our, our network as a paid employee, everything was done by volunteer work. And volunteers um, have limited capacity in terms of time, expertise, and so on. And uh, we, were, we were doing what we could with, with what we had. But the hiring of an administrator was all all about expanding our, our ability to, to work on campaigns and projects while the, our administrator handled, handled the administration side. So I wanted to point that out because the, the Rural Coordination Center has been really critical. And because we are young, we are still learning, uh, but we're, we're, we're really highly motivated to change. And we want the things to get better for people living in rural PC communities. And so really you've, you've, I mean, you've told, uh, experienced some pretty impressive growth over just a, you know, a, I guess over just about two years or a year or so, a year and a half, two years, um, all the way up to, I think you said 23 member communities or, or, um, member organizations. Um, and you mentioned also you're collaborating with the Rural Coordination Center. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, in your experience as being the, maybe at the helm or at least heavily involved in, in, in coordinating this network that you're at the head of now. Um, what your experience has been as a citizen-patient organization representing the citizen-patient voices of BC, what's your experience been in collaborating with the various other levels of the healthcare policy-making apparatus? So, I mean, obviously there's the local grassroots level, there are different organizations, as you've mentioned, and different levels of government. Have you found it's been easy to get the ear of other groups, other levels so far? Uh, yes and no. Um we we don't really have a, a strong relationship at the the BC government level, although we do have contacts there, and we're we're doing our best to improve that. But I think that might be one of the shortcomings that uh, we've noticed, and as a result, it's really difficult for us to address any gaps in the in the healthcare planning process, although we're hoping that that will change over time. Mm. What we're, I guess, the, what we focus on, what we're trying to do really is to, to find out what our membership thinks their, the concerns are. Where are the concerns within our, our member communities? And we've, we've conducted uh, several surveys. Uh, the most recent one um, identified several priority areas, and there, were, there are six that I would like to share with you if I could, Nick. Absolutely. The, the first one is virtual care. Virtual care has become a, a very important topic, especially these days, as a way for patients and healthcare providers to be able to stay in contact with each other. And what makes this particularly important for people living in rural BC is that this is a way that uh, for for patients that normally find it difficult to access um, their care, um, either because of transportation or because it costs too much for a variety of reasons, virtual care really um, affords an opportunity for people living in rural BC to access care in a, on a much more convenient and in many ways um, more acceptable 
way. So that's that's really important. The second priority is specialist care. And for people living in urban environments, um, accessing specialist care is probably the same as accessing, accessing any other kind of health care. Um, but for people living in rural BC, to get to a specialist means that you've got to um, you've got to get to that specialist care, and often that means several hours of travel. Um, it also sometimes means overnight accommodation. It can mean out-of-pocket costs can be very very expensive for some people. So specialist care, accessing specialist care is a, a priority that we're looking at. Third would be mental health and substance use. And by the way, these aren't in any particular order of importance. They're all important. But mental health and substance use, um, especially during the, this time of COVID-19 and the, the pandemic, um, has become a, a particularly important issue as people from all walks of life are experiencing frustration, um, anxiety, fear, anger in some cases, and, and has resulted in kind of a self, self-diagnosis self and self-medication uh, through often through substance use. Alcohol consumption is, is, is higher now, and there's a higher instance of overdose deaths as a result. So that's, a, that, that's a, an issue. It's been an issue before, but it's been kind of highlighted, and there's a greater emphasis now because of COVID-19. The concept of rural health councils has become a real priority for us. Rural health councils is a concept that came out of the rural evidence review conducted by the Center for Rural Health Research at UBC. And I I think you probably are familiar with that through the the work that you do with Jude Cornelson. Yeah, so the, the rural health councils concept came out of the research that was done by Jude and her dream team. And this concept is is all about community engagement. It's it's a concept where the community has an important say through collaboration, through consultation, and in some cases through empowerment to um, have a meaningful voice at the table and to make sure that their voice is heard and acted upon so for the betterment of the community. The fifth priority is transportation. And and really, this is key to so many of the the issues that we deal with in rural. Um, If you don't have access to transportation, it often means you don't have access to the care. You don't get the care that you need. And transportation is a huge issue for people living in in rural BC. And then the final one is community health centers. And the community health center model um, is a, a, a model that provides care often through uh, through community-governed organizations. And community governance is a big part of, of the community health center model. And the BC Rural Health Network recognized early on that this particular model of care had great potential for people living in rural communities. And we've been very active in trying to get the Ministry of Health to implement community health centers in all rural communities that would like to have that model there. So th- these are these are our priorities. Uh, there are lots of others, but these are the ones that we've identified as being the main ones. That we're- and that's fantastic. I mean, um, you have here, what I'm hearing is a list of very specific and kind of broad, um, and broad meaning touching on, you know, the complexity of all the different levels of, of accessing healthcare in rural places, but specific in the sense of you know, identifying a particular pathway to address those issues. 
uh, set of priorities like directly from your constituent communities, uh, which is incredibly powerful. So that's an achievement in and of itself. So well done. Um, but I'm kind of curious. So what, what do you think now, what will the network do with this information? How do you plan or how do you hope to amplify these voices? Maybe Nikki, you would share. You could answer that. Sure. Yeah, we started out with the idea to learn from each other as a network, to share ideas and solutions that works in other communities. Uh, we will continue, of course, with informing the government about what we are doing. Uh, this year, the network gave a presentation to the Select Standing Committee on Finance, and so did some of our member groups. We will continue sharing with our members any changes and improvements on the healthcare front, and hopefully we will be able to highlight more and more solutions that have worked in, in other rural communities. Uh, I think it's important that we all have to become more knowledgeable about how our healthcare system works. It's, it's so complex, uh, but as a result of the work we are doing to gather evidence and support research, uh, we are developing a better understanding, not only uh, about what is needed, but uh, how we can actually make change happen at the community level and hopefully at the provincial level. level right? And uh, I'm really happy that the government have moved uh, on to several improvements. Uh, private uh, MRI clinics uh, are now purchased by Fraser Health with an excellent result of more uh, MRI diagnostic exams. Uh, there are other uh, initiatives uh, moving private home support services back to the health authorities. Uh, improvements uh, are on the way for a mental health support for students and, and uh, other, other programs. I think I also mentioned already the community paramedic uh, program. But uh, I, I think the threat to death in, in especially the private for-profit nursing homes during this COVID has been such a hard-learned and, and a tragic lesson. And I know that our provincial government really believes in public health care. So I'm personally really hopeful for the future of our per, uh, public uh, health care. And uh, uh, personally, I, I think private for profit has no, no room. There should not be any room for uh, private for profit in, in our nursing homes. What we are hoping for in, in the future or going forward is that we will have a closer relationship with the government. Uh, we're hoping that they will allow us a seat at the table and thus have a direct link uh, with or, or from the government to our rural communities. So it is a straight, a straight line to us. As Ed mentioned, we already have a great relationship with organizations such as the Rural Coordination Center of BC and the Center of Rural Health Research. Lately, the BC Patient Safety and Quality Council, which is fantastic. Uh, we have a great relationship with various universities and a host of uh, researchers. Uh, so I've, I feel at the moment we, we are in a good place, but uh, I've been very surprised by how fast we have grown in such a short time. I just hope that we can keep that momentum going and keep changing with the flow, go with the flow. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally impressed by the progress uh, you've experienced in just the last little while. And it seems like you really have the wind at your back, so to speak, right now. Um, but I'm wondering, uh, you know, 
are, are there still some, some challenges or roadblocks that are in your way or that you see coming up maybe in the future uh, that you're working to overcome? Yes. <laughs> um, there's always challenges. And the, the, the roadblocks and the challenges that get in our way are, are hard to predict. We don't, we don't always know what's coming. But uh, we're, our approach is to work with everybody that we, that we can and to develop relationships. Maybe we could make, just back up a little bit because I would, I'd like to mention a little bit more and about my feelings on, on community engagement and, and keeping, keeping com- communities involved in a meaningful way. I strongly believe that uh, community engagement is critically important to providing the care that's needed. And it's, it's not that the citizen patient is, is always right or that they, that they need to be completely empowered all the time, but I think it's a, they need to have their perspective heard. It's important because if the community's needs are going to be met, then the citizen patient needs to be uh, listened to and their perspective respected. And community engagement needs to be built into the system right from the get-go. Otherwise, it might just amount to lip service, where the citizen-patient is brought into the table after decision-making process has been established, and then there's a, a typical top-down approach, a hierarchical approach. And um, community engagement then is, is usually at the level of inform or in some cases actually ignore they're brought to the table but um, we'll provide you with information but we really don't want to hear what you have to say and the model that i really believe in is the what i refer to as a side side by side model rather than a top down bottom up approach i prefer to think of the the best model is where everyone's perspective is equal and we all join our views in the center where where everybody's views are respected and um, it's a meaningful way for us to come together on issues and discuss issues as equals. So to be truly respectful of the citizen voice, the community needs to be involved through two two things, consultation and collaboration. And if public participation is is only kept at the informed level, which is kind of the the bottom end of the spectrum, or worse, <laughs> where where they're actually just ignored, then it, it really only does amount to to window dressing or lip service. And what what I believe is the best approach is to um, work together on, in a collaborative way and through consultation, where we work together as as equal partners. Absolutely, the meaningful engagement is, is critical. I mean, you mentioned the side by side model. And um, to me, you know, earlier you're talking about the community health councils and just referring to a more uh, collaborative community oriented kind of health governance. Uh, and it's easy for trust to be, you know, badly damaged if, if community engagement or input is ignored, like you said. So I totally endorse that, <laughs> the, the importance of community engagement in health services and health services planning. So I guess I have one final question uh, for the two of you. And that's looking ahead. Obviously, the network is relatively young, um, but what's on the horizon? You know, how do you see the network growing and evolving over the next couple of years? Mm, well, I'll start off, but maybe I can follow up. But um, because one of my fears is um, that we as volunteers will not be able to keep up with the work 
that is involved. And there are so many opportunities that are being presented to us and that we are all trying to follow. But there's only so much time that we, you know, Ed and I are doing many, many hours every day uh, on, on this kind of work. And there's the regular regular stuff that we are doing that uh, we share uh, information or research opportunities that we think our members may be interested in through just through email. Uh, we have a monthly newsletter where Ed shares what the board has been doing. Uh, we include links to research and reports, news releases from the BC government. And every month, one of our members is featured as a member of the month. And we also started quarterly presentations on uh, various topics that is uh, open uh, to our members uh, to to just keep everyone involved is is a, basically a full-time job, I think. So I, maybe Ed can continue uh, opportunities in the future. Right, yeah. And, and I think the key word for me here is change. If we're going to improve, then change needs to happen. And um, as a retired educator, I was in the business of change for 34 years. And it, I, I very strongly believe that it's only through change, even though change can be frightening for some people, it's only through change that things will improve. And identifying where things need to change and then finding the proper approach and, and developing proper strategies to make that change happen is so important. And I ask myself every day, because Nick and I work on this every day, I, I ask myself, how does the work that I'm doing today improve access to health care for people living in rural BC? If I can't answer that question in, in a positive way, then probably it's not worth doing. And this has been a really great way for, for me to keep me focused on what is, is truly important. What, what do we hope to achieve in, in the coming years? We hope in a very broad sense that the change that we see that's needed will actually happen through collaboration. It's all about developing relationships. And the relationships that we're developing with organizations like the Rural Coordination Center, BC, through the Center for Rural Health Research, the Patient Safety and Quality Council, Rural Health Services Research Network, and there are, there are many others, BC Health Coalition. These relationships that we're developing provide us with not only information, but it provides us with a way to expand our voice, to make our voice more unified and to amplified. amplified. That's the word exactly. So we've got a lot of work to do. Um, perhaps in a year's time, you could come back and ask us the same question. What, uh, what did we, what have we achieved? <laughs> what have we achieved in the, in the, in the, in the past year? Um, because we're such a young organization and we've spent a lot of our time getting ourselves organized, we don't have a lot to show for ourselves. But what we can show is that we are getting ourselves organized and that we are identifying areas that need to be improved, that we want to see change happen. And we're very hopeful. We're very positive. We're very motivated to see that change happen quickly. Well, for what it's worth, uh, I think you have plenty to show for your time uh, as a network. Um, and honestly, it's heartening to know that, that people like you, uh, Ed and Inke, are, are, are working to improve and protect the health and well-being of, of people across BC. Um, and I think that that is an uplifting and positive note to bring our conversation today to a close. So 
Ed Ninke, thank you so much for sharing what you've been working on uh, and sharing your insights and your experiences and your hopes for the future with, with me and our listeners today. We really appreciate it. And uh, now for you, the listeners out there, this recording as well as past and future episodes can be found on the Center for Rural, Rural Health Research website at crhr.med.ubc.ca or just type Center for Rural Health Research into Google. It's a lot easier to get there like that. Um, you can also find us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify if you search for CRHR. And as always, thanks for listening and take care. This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network. 